well, Rachel, we try to take one week off and we find <laughs> ourselves once again missing tons of big news headlines on the podcast. My God, let's never take another week off again because what we've come back to is like, we have 13 pages of notes, listeners, if that tells you anything on a Google Doc. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun ride today. Well, we did give everyone a heads up that we would be off last week. I had two back-to-back out-of-town wedding weekends, and we tried, but we just couldn't make recording work with our schedule, so we had the week off. But like Rachel said, we've got a jam-packed episode. We are full of news updates today, so we're only going to cover the Royal Rundown and Royals Around the World segments. We're not going to do any of our other segments today, but... To make it up for everyone for missing last week, we do have a fun bonus episode that will go out this Friday, so stay tuned for that. Rachel, we had a really good chat with Tom Quinn yesterday morning. We did. We haven't done an interview in a really long time. Like, it's been a long, it's just been us forever, so it was nice to have a third party involved. It was, and he'll be joining us Friday for a conversation about his latest book, and the topic centers on something that I think a lot of royal followers will really find fascinating, and that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to tease it because I want you to listen to the interview, and I I know we haven't had an interview in a while, but I thought it was one of the more interesting ones that we've done. It's always fun talking to him. Totally. He is is a great storyteller. You and I both said that when we finished recording yesterday and he just tells anecdotes in such a compelling way both in the book and in the conversation so make sure to tune in on Friday for that definitely why don't we go ahead and get into the royal rundown yes my god we have we have enough to go over for multiple weeks worth of content but let's start the royal rundown with the royal we don't normally lead with, and that is Sophie, Duchess of Edinburgh. So Sophie went to Columbia since our last episode to do work on ending gender-based violence, specifically the issues surrounding women and girls caught up in wars. She was in Columbia for three days. She met with survivors of conflict-related sexual violence to hear about their experiences, and this trip followed Sophie's trip to Ethiopia in October, where she also highlighted women caught up in conflict. So while she was in Colombia, Sophie visited Bogota, which is the nation's capital in Cali. This is a trip that, of course, did not get much press coverage because of the intensity of the subject matter. And because for whatever reason, Sophie, just, Sophie's so normal and down to earth, she just doesn't pull headlines like I wish she would. But I think it is worth highlighting and putting at the top of the Royal Rundown. And by the way, fun fact that nobody asked for, if I could travel to any country in the world, I would travel to Colombia. Actually, I would go to Cartagena. So we probably don't even have time for this question, but I'm asking it anyway, because I'm personally curious. If you could travel to any country in the world, money is no object, where would you go? Oh my gosh, Rachel, I don't know how I could choose just one, but I will say, you know, I love European countries, so I I think it would definitely be somewhere in Europe. I still can't believe that I have never been to France or Italy. Um, Those are definitely on my list. I would also love to see Scandinavia. I would love to see Iceland. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always wanted to see the Northern Lights. So that that's definitely up there. And I've heard really great things about Greece and Croatia. I hear they're both really beautiful. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could just pick one, but I think it's very interesting to hear your choice because I would have never guessed Columbia for you. I'm really surprised by that. I, I don't know why, but I, I no, didn't know. I mean, I don't think I, and no knock to Columbia. I'm not sure that it's 
many people's first choice, but do you want to know why I've always wanted to go to Columbia? Did you ever see the movie Romancing the Stone with Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner? No, I haven't seen that. Oh my gosh. That was like one of my favorite movies as a child. Also why I hate alligators. Listeners, if you have seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. And it is set in Colombia and it's set in Cartagena for a lot of it. And for whatever reason, that movie just got in my head and I just really want to go there. And um, I need to wait for it to be a little bit safer. It's a lot safer than it was in the eighties when that movie was filmed, but I digress. So if anybody wants to send me to Colombia, I'm willing, I'm ready, willing, and able. Very interesting. Well, speaking of work that might not get a ton of press attention, but is still really important. Eugenie's charity, the Anti-Slavery Collective, had its first winter gala, and Eugenie was supported by a lot of members of the royal family at this event. I saw a ton of photos online. I know you did too, Rachel, and you actually put a couple, you put one in our notes on here, and I added one as well, but- Oh, look at Cressida. I hadn't seen Cressida. She's beautiful. Yeah. Before we get into that, let me just say the Anti-Slavery Collective was founded by Eugenie and Julia de Boinville. I don't know if I'm saying her name right. I think that's right. In 2017, to end modern slavery and trafficking. And at their first winter gala, they raised $1.2 million. Eugenie wore a black gown by Peter Pilato, who also designed her wedding dress. Her mom, Sarah Ferguson, and her sister, Princess Beatrice, were in attendance, as was her husband, Jack. We also saw her cousin, Zara Tyndall. And like you just said, Harry's ex-girlfriend, Cressida Bonus, who looked so beautiful in this pink striped gown. I had to put that photo in there for mm-hmm. you, Rachel, in case you missed it. I of did course- miss her appearance, actually. And she really stands out because everybody, or at least all the York women are in black. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I loved that dress. I thought she looked great. Edo was also there with Beatrice. We saw Camilla Alves McConaughey, who, of course, is married to Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. And this is really fun. Ed Sheeran performed, which that's a good get for them. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. So I had to ask you, do you think Eugenie got connected with Ed Sheeran through Prince Harry? Okay. Maybe I'm missing something other than the redhead connection, but are Ed Sheeran and Prince Harry friends? I I don't know that. Yeah. Remember they did that video together a while back? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. That's a good question. Maybe. I mean, but Eugenie is, you know, Ed Sheeran is British. So I think if anybody from the Royal family comes calling most, I mean, Ed Sheeran will know who princess Eugenie is. I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe, but I just can't get over Cressida. She looks not a day. So she dated Harry like 10 years ago. She doesn't look a day over the way she looked in 2014. She looks beautiful. Yeah, I know. And the York women look great too. I'm telling you, my mom and I had this conversation the other day, how Beatrice has never looked better. I don't know what's going on in her personal life. If I mean, we know she's married to Edo, who's a big romance guy. She looks fantastic. I mean, like she just looks absolutely like never better. And everybody, uh, you know, Fergie, Eugenie, they all look great. But Beatrice, my goodness. And Cressida, I had not seen this picture of Cressida. So she looks great. Well, one thing I will mention while we're on this, remember when we talked about that event that um, Beatrice attended, it's been several weeks ago now. And I said, it looked like she just didn't style her hair. She had on this fancy dress. Oh, that was the Monique Lulier event. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know if she heard podcasts or what, but her (laughs) hair is beautifully styled for Mm -hmm. this gala. It looks, it looks great. I mean, it matches her, you know, more formal look. And to your point, Rachel, I think Beatrice is in her best 
fashion era today? No question. No question. That that deserves its own segment. Not today, but she's just rocking it A to Z. Well, let's go ahead and move on to something um, maybe a little bit more in line with the holidays and the holiday spirit. So we are happy to report that Christ- uh, Christmas decorations are up at Windsor Castle, mm. which we did post some photos of in our Instagram stories last week, if listeners saw that. So they had some great pictures on their Instagram account, but the Royal Collection Trust was the one that shared the photos and they had decorated Christmas trees, garlands, and wreaths at St. George's Hall. And this year's Christmas decorations pay tribute to the king and queen's coronation this year. And the centerpiece was a 20-foot high Nordman fir tree, which was actually grown nearby in Windsor Great Park. And this is a tradition that has taken place since the reign of Queen Victoria. So it's been going on for quite a yeah. while. Yeah. Um, this year the tree was topped with a commissioned garter star, which commemorated the 675th anniversary of the Order of the Garter, which we know is the oldest order of chivalry in Great Britain. Fun fact for you listeners, there are eight Christmas trees total on display at the castle. And I don't think it's Christmas time until the decorations go up at Windsor Castle. So it's officially Christmas time. Well, and another fun fact, the 160-foot-long dining table in the Waterloo Chamber is decorated with porcelain from the garter service, which takes place at Windsor Castle every June. So I thought that was kind of cool. And then Mm -hmm. in addition, garland is hung on the grand staircase, and wreaths and foliage are hung outside on the lampposts and gates. Also, if anyone's in the area, Christmas decorations will be up until January first and it is open to the public to go visit again another time I wish I was in the UK although I think I mentioned on a previous episode I'm pretty sure I did that the ice skating rink at KP is not happening Peter Phillips grand plan um I probably for safety concerns but I would love to see the decorations at Windsor so if any of you listeners make it out there and want to send us some photos we would love that Rachel, we should do like a Christmas tour of the UK one oh year. Oh my God. Yeah. Don't Christmas say it unless Christmas. you mean it because I'm so there. That would be amazing. Okay, Rachel, let's go ahead and get this out there because it's really unavoidable at this point, which you and I have talked about offline. But we have to address the news headlines around Omid Scobie's latest book, Endgame. I really hoped, by the way, that we could avoid this conversation, but it is so pervasive at this point that if we did not talk about it, then that would be strange. I agree. Our listeners know that we really don't like getting into drama and unconfirmed accusations, but so many headlines have been circulating around this story for the past week. I know our audience probably wants to hear our take on it. So let me give a little bit of an overview real quick. I know most people have already heard, but Omid Scobie's book Endgame names two royals that are supposedly who Megan was referring to when she spoke in the Oprah interview about speculation of the color of Archie's skin. So Omid claims he omitted the names from the book, but they were actually published in the Dutch version and in bookstores for a short time before they were pulled. This obviously caused a huge mess in the media about how it could have happened. And one of the first people in British media, if not the first, to go on air and leak the names mentioned in the book to the British public was Piers Morgan. Of course it was, but anyway... 
I mean, I, yeah, I saw that right after they shared it on Instagram. And, and I think he actually did this with the intent to force Scobie to have to take some responsibility and address what happened. I think mm-hmm. he wanted to hear him give an answer or an explanation for what was done and potentially provide proof. So, so you think he came from a good place? Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think he came from uh, being, I mean, and he said he, he didn't believe it. You know, I think he came from being on the side of the Royals and, and trying to force more information yeah. um, out of the author. But, you know, I don't know specifically what, you know, thoughts you have or want to share on this, Rachel. But for me, for my opinion, I think the burden of proof here falls on the accusers. I feel like this is such a damaging accusation. And none of it's been backed up with any proof at all. And, and it feels to me like the result of a giant game of telephone, you know, yeah, we haven't that's, that's anything, a good, that's a really good way to put it, Jessica. Well, we haven't gotten anything straight from someone who was present for any of the alleged conversations. So if you remember back in 2021, Megan's story in the Oprah interview didn't fully add up. She wasn't present for any conversation. So then Harry steps in and his story differed from Megan's and he claimed he was present, but he refused to disclose any details. And then we've got Omid Scobie, who is completely removed from this. And he's just writing a book which contains all of these dangerous and unfounded accusations, and then sending out copies that haven't been fully proofed or edited. So Mm -hmm. I say all that to say, I don't think this book or these accusations carry any weight with Royal Watchers or the public. I mean, to me, the story, unless I've just been out of you know, pocket with what's going on because I've been out of town, but the story seems to have fizzled already. And I think people are smart enough to know that a lack of research, you know, exists here in you know, proof hasn't been provided to back up the claim. So I don't believe it's true. And it goes back to what I've said in the past. Actions speak louder than words. And I think your reputation can serve you in a time like this. So if you have a history of behaving a certain way, people will trust that they know you for the you that they know. And a weak accusation is not going to ruin your reputation in that case. And I don't think the royals who were mentioned here, I don't think they need to speak or, you know, speak out or say anything because I don't think the burden of proof is on them. Um, I think people trust that they know that they're not capable of this behavior. And that's my personal take on all of this. I feel like a lot of our listeners probably would agree with me, but um, I don't know if you have anything you want to say, Rachel. It just feels a lot to me like Rose Hanbury all over again in that, you know, it's, there's probably, I, I don't know. I mean, let me, I'll say this. I wasn't really prepared to have this conversation, so I don't really have, you know, my talking points lined up in my head. I like Omid Scobie as a human being. I've interviewed him twice, once for Glamour in 2021, and then for Endgame for Marie Claire, like maybe two or three weeks ago. I like him a lot as a human being, but I don't understand. I don't even know if he understands what happened in terms of the Dutch version, having the names there's, you know, there's stories like the, the bridesmaid dress and the lip gloss and that's whatever, but this is calling someone essentially a racist is very, very damaging and should not be taken lightly, should not be spoken of lightly, should not be commented on by royal commenters likely. And that's why I did not want to have this conversation, but it has become so ubiquitous in culture that again, we would look like we were asleep at the wheel if we didn't comment on it. I don't really have anything to say until I have facts. And at this point, I think that this is 
all conjecture still. And I think you put it the best way I've heard it, which is, it's like a game of telephone, you know, what it originally started out as might not be what ended up in the headlines. So I'm so reticent to even talk about it. I mean, listeners, you know, by now, if you follow the Royal family, you know, the two people that were named in the Dutch translation, we don't have to say it here. And I'm, I personally will not say it here, but it's, it's all going to come out in the wash. I've, you know, heard rumblings that the palace might be considering legal action, which, you know, that would be a huge milestone. I wonder, you know, we know the palace and the royal family is not going to say anything. It, it would be a great time for Harry and Meghan to say something, like to say, you know, either speak up and defend the royal family or just say something. Um, I think their silence is a bit deafening right now, although you know, it's said front, back, left, right, and center that they were not involved with Endgame. So maybe they don't have to, they don't have the burden of having to say something. It's a mess. Um, it's, it's a mess. And I do think it's died down a bit because actually we recorded our last episode on November 28th, which was the publication date of Endgame, but before all of the Dutch translation stuff happened. I do think it's died down a little bit, but I don't think it's gone. And um, that's just a really damaging allegation that really should only be made. I mean, it shouldn't be an allegation. It's either fact or fiction. And just talking about it in uncertain terms makes me uncomfortable. And I'm already word vomiting all over this. I just don't like it. I don't like any part of it. I agree with you. I agree with what you're saying. I think we're on the same page there. And that's why where I, I come back to what I was saying before is until until there's some kind of concrete evidence, we sort of have to fall back on what we, you know, we know of someone's long history, like their their reputation and who they, you know, have have shown themselves to be, because that's all we have to go off of, right? Yeah. And I have many, many thoughts, but none that I'm ready to share to thousands of people. So um, we'll see what happens. I know I say that all the time, but that's as, you know, as a journalist, the best thing that you can have in your arsenal is the ability to sit in silence because that is when, that is when the facts come out is when you can take a step back, take a breath, sit there in silence and wait for the facts to present themselves. And that's what we'll do. We're going to sit in silence relative silence. We haven't been totally silent, but yeah, it's a total mess. I, um, I honestly feel for everybody involved, including Omid. Um, and I just say it once I've said it once I've said it a million times. I just wish it wasn't this way. I just wish that none of this, you know, that these things could, if they happened, could be resolved within the context of the family rather than on Oprah or in a book. I just continue to, I'm not a Pollyanna, but I do continue to wish for peace for all, everybody involved. So I don't know. I don't, I, I said that was unorganized and just very off the cuff, but it's just, that's a really damaging allegation for anybody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. 
all the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, are you ready to move on from that and into the Royal Variety performance, Jessica? Yes. Okay. Again, listeners, it'll all come out in the wash. We'll talk about it as it happens. But sit in silence, see what happens. Okay, so Royal Variety Show. That's a hard pivot. It was no doubt a rough week for the royal family with publication of the aforementioned Endgame, all of the negative press attention surrounding that. But William and Kate got a bit of respite by hosting two of our Swedish royals. We talk about them all the time on the show, or at least we talk about Crown Princess Victoria. And then her husband, Daniel, joined her. So as we mentioned in a previous episode, part of the visit included the two couples joining together for the Royal Variety performance at Royal Albert Hall. None other than Cher performed. And I think I said when we talked about this before that I would have loved to have seen that. Um, So Kate wore Teal Sophia for the performance and she which that in and of itself got some press because that is a a brand that Megan was very known for wearing their cape dresses specifically in blue shades but um, that's neither here nor there and so Kate and William ignored questions about in-game's allegations as they walked past reporters so in-game had just come out on Tuesday this was the Thursday after that so just time stamping everything this would have been on November 30th This was actually the third time recently that we've seen Kate in a cape following her red Catherine Walker cape moment with the South Korea state visit. And then later her Jenny Packham cape moment, same visit during the South Korea state visit last month. So I want to talk about this look. So I love this brand. I, one of my favorite Megan looks of all time was when she wore this brand in Fiji you know what I'm talking? I didn't put that Mm -hmm. photo in here, but you know what look I'm talking about. And, um, I love that color on Megan, but anyway, so I personally don't like, I like the color is fine, um, on Kate, but I don't like this. I can't, I think those are the sleeves. I can't tell if that's the Cape or the sleeves or, or what it might might be the Cape. Do you know what I'm, do you see the picture? Like, is that yes. the, are those the sleeves or is that the cape or all of the I, above? I, think I don't know. It sort of looks like a cape effect, but I think they're actually the sleeves. Mm. Well, I I did not dislike this dress by any means. I of course wonder, you know, is there a, a deeper meaning here? Um, I don't think anything is left to chance with the royal family, especially when it comes to dressing. And so is this some kind of message? And then of course, Megan wears the tennis bracelet that Charles gave her um, in the lead up to her wedding to Harry. So are we like sending signals and messages through our clothes or are we not at all? Um, But talking about the look itself, I love the brand so much. I love the color. Here comes the color blue again, which of course symbolizes peace and tranquility and all this stuff. We talked about that ad nauseum on the show. Um, but yeah, I just, I mean, it's okay. Like it is okay. I don't, I definitely don't dislike it, but what do you think? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've said this in the past, but the princess of Wales, I think can really pull off any color she wants. I, I 
can't really think of a color offhand that doesn't look great on her. Overall, I will say this dress, I mean, I'm sort of like you, like I like the dress. It's not my most favorite look. Um, apparently there was another version of it on the website that didn't have the defined shoulder pads. No, I probably would have liked that a lot more. Yeah. I think I might've preferred that version as well. I also would have liked to have seen her hair in an updo with this because Mm. of the defined shoulder, but I loved the silver embellishment around the neckline. See, I totally missed the silver embellishment because her hair's in the way. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But to your point, this dress, you know, it does resemble a cape dress, but technically I I don't know that it is because I think the sleeves are more long and draping and then they kind of split open mid arm. So that was kind of, you know, my initial reaction on that. And like you said, I think I've seen a lot of people online claiming that this was some sort of a revenge dress Mm -hmm. because Megan has famously worn this designer in the past. And, you know, my initial opinion was that it was not, I I thought, I don't really think it's that deep. And I, I don't know that she needs a revenge dress. Um, I think you did make a great point, though, with the color being sort of tranquil and calm and maybe sending some sort of message around that. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really sure. And and I do think they are intentional with dressing. I'm not really sure what the goal was there today, but or, you know, when they when they pick that dress. But, you know, I think she is really busy in her day to day life and her career. And I feel like she's got a great relationship with her stylist and trusts them to select these pieces for her. And I just don't know, I don't know why the stylist selected the pieces, but I, I don't know that Catherine is necessarily on the forefront of those conversations around why they may choose something. Mm -hmm. Um, I think she just trusts them to, to pick something that works really well for her. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess I feel like, I don't think the stylist would have, well, I don't know that why they would have selected it, but I also don't think that they would be deterred from using a designer that Megan's worn in the past. You know, I think they've probably got a big catalog of designers they select from, from, and I think other Royals have worn this designer before too, but Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. You made some good points, but that that was- I have another one to make. I didn't see it as a revenge dress. I saw it as a peace offering. Like maybe that's just because I try to be glass half full, but I saw the- Megan Charles tennis bracelet and this as a sign of peace. Maybe I, again, am a Pollyanna and I'm just not admitting it, but there's no way that Natasha Archer or whoever is choosing Kate's looks right now didn't know that that brand's unique association with Megan, that, that, that's sure. not lost on them. That, that if it wasn't lost on me, it certainly wasn't lost on her stylist and her team. And so there, while there may not be a concerted message being sent there, there is certainly not an avoidance of it and they are aware. So, well, and that was my point too, is I don't think that they view anything as off limits like that, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I, who knows, but you know, this was a, this was the kind of event where it's not like they were having a state visit where, you know, they diplomatically dress and pay homage to a flag or something like that. Like, like, let's just take, for example, the South Korea state visit. This wasn't that Kate could have worn any color she wanted to. Mm -hmm. She could have worn any brand she wanted to any style she wanted to. She chose that or her team chose that. So, you know, I mean, we could sit here all day long and debate 
you know, what, what the deeper meaning is, but same thing with Megan. She knew that she would be photographed. She knew what that bracelet symbolized. She knew that little peons like me would write about it, which I 100% did. They know these are smart people. They know what the message is. Not sure, but they know, they know that they will, it will be spoken about. They, they're, they know that. I'm not saying they're perfect and always get it right, but they, they're aware enough to know that, but who knows, but we'll talk more about the Swedish Royal family slash British Royal family crossover when we get to Royals around the world. But Victoria and Daniel were at William and Kate's wedding in 2011. They go way back, you know, all these European Royals are third, fourth, whatever cousins of each other. Um, When William and Kate visited Sweden back in 2018, Victoria and Daniel hosted them. So different royal families attend the royal variety performance every year. This is the wish of King George V, and this year it was William and Kate's year. So side note, related to the Waleses, Kate revealed that Charlotte is starting piano lessons. We know that Kate can play the piano, as was evidenced at the first Christmas Carol concert in 2021. We'll talk about this year's Christmas Carol concert later in the show. And then on Friday, which would have been December 1st, the day after the Royal Variety performance, I thought this was cute. I mean, Kate obviously is not having the best week of her life this week. So Kate, Charlotte, and Louie had a fun afternoon on December 1st, visiting the set of the BBC show Strictly Come Dancing, which is comparable (laughs) to Dancing with the Stars here in the U.S. So Kate and Charlotte both love the show, as does Carol Middleton, who is Kate's mom. The King and Queen, Charles and Camilla, love the show, and Her Late Majesty Queen Elizabeth did as well. So no cameras were allowed on the visit, but the kids got to hold up those little paddles. Like (laughs) I've never seen Strictly Come Dancing, but I've certainly seen Dancing with the Stars. You all know what I'm talking about, the little paddles that the judges use. They got to judge the dancers. Louis even got a tour of the show's costume department, which would have just been hilarious to see. So again, I'm glad that that they got to have a little bit of levity on what was surely not a great week. Yeah, I like that story. Yeah. Well, let's talk about COP28. So while William and Catherine hosted Victoria and Daniel, the king was in Dubai at COP28, where he gave a pretty passionate speech to world leaders about the need to act now in the face of climate change, which we know he's really passionate about. Mm -hmm. So here's a quick little lesson. COP28 stands for the United Nations Climate Change Conference, and the 28th signifies that it's in its 28th year. And in part of Charles' speech, he said, in 2050, our grandchildren won't be asking what we said. They will be living with the consequences of what we did or didn't do. He continued that work around climate was an unmissable opportunity to keep our common hope alive. I can only urge you to meet it with ambition, imagination, and a true sense of the emergency we face and together with a commitment to the practical action upon which our shared future depends. Mm -hmm. He added, I pray with all my heart that COP28 will be another critical turning point toward genuine transformational action at a time when already, as scientists have been warning for so long, we are seeing alarming tipping points being reached. So, we're not going to get into, you know, a lot of the details of COP28 in today's episode. We might dive into that at some point in the future, but I did want to touch base on some of those high points today and just mention 
really his speech and, and the points he made, because we know he cares a lot about climate change. That's been his his mission for a long time. Yes, forever and ever. He was the OG climate change person in the royal family, for sure. So, okay, Harry is back in court. He's got a couple of cases going on. So I'm trying to wrap my head around everything. So, so Harry is arguing for police protection. And his lawyers argued in court last week that the UK government was wrong to strip him of his security. And it resulted in a three-day hearing in London that was not attended by Harry. Also, a judge denied Harry's attempt to have the mail on Sunday's defense of his libel lawsuit thrown out. So Harry might be called to give evidence in a London court next year for this legal matter. So again, we'll keep you posted on everything that's going on. But um, kind of later breaking news is I believe that, let me pull this up, that um, Harry is due to pay 48,447 pounds, which converts to $60,927 in legal fees by December 29th to um, the publisher. So, man, I just, you know what? I just hope I've knock on wood never been sued or sued someone. And I hope that that stays as such because it just sounds very exhausting for everyone involved. But we'll continue to keep you posted on everything going on that we that we know of it just sounds like there's a lot of legal minutiae going on right now and a lot of it will come to trial and maybe hopefully resolve in 2024 but turning to Kate so that same day last Tuesday which would have been December 5th I think um Kate we there's we never need to take a week off again Jessica because like the the, (laughs) so so much has happened since we last recorded but That same day, last Tuesday, Kate opened a children's surgery unit at the Evelina London Children's Hospital, which cares for kids with rare and complex conditions. So Kate, we've heard this, the name of this hospital before, surely listeners, if if you've uh, followed Kate's patronages, she's served as its patron since 2018 and children, of course, we don't have to tell you this, are of utmost importance to her. That is to her what climate change is to Charles. So the surgery center opened its doors back in July, but Kate made it official by taking part in a ribbon cutting ceremony alongside two girls. So Evelina London, by the way, cares for around 104,000 children and young people annually. And the new facility will help accommodate an additional 2,300 children per year, which of course is awesome. So Kate's teal color theme continued this time in an Alexander McQueen pantsuit. So we have talked about blue ad nauseum on the show, even add a slightly ad nauseum in this episode but teal do you have any thoughts on teal specifically um I mean just the color in general no strong feelings uh, but I will say this I know we've talked about the pantsuits in the past too this suit fits her really well I love the monochromatic look down to the shoes and I love it when she I, does that and Megan does that too I love that I also love that it feels like almost the exact, if not the exact same shade as the dress from the Royal Variety event. Yeah, there's continuity there. I I don't know. I I love that a lot. So I think that's really cool. And I think that's a lot to think about as a Royal Watcher and looking at the fashion and meaning behind things. So do you ever wonder if Natasha Archer, do you ever wonder if Natasha Archer and Kate and their style team just sit back 
with the drink in their hands, feet kicked up and read all of these theories that we espouse, like <laughs> all of the royal commentators espouse about what secret hidden messages they're trying to send. And then they just laugh. I, I hope they do that. I probably would. <laughs> Hell yeah, I would. Absolutely. I'd be like, that's a good one. That's not what we were going for. I would, I would have a ball with that. Well, while we're on the Waleses, I really liked this next story. So the same day Catherine was out and about, William was also out and about, and he surprised grocery shoppers in London. He was selling copies of the magazine, The Big Issue, which we've discussed on here before. And this seems to be a new tradition for William. He has stepped out to sell copies of this magazine in the past, specifically back in June of 2022. And sales of the big issue benefit unhoused and vulnerable people experiencing poverty across the UK and homelessness. We've we've talked about that before too, and we know that's a key cause for William. William also popped up later in the week and surprised a woman named Emma Webb on day 13 of her charity walk to raise awareness for mental health. So she actually walked from Wales to London in memory of her daughter, Brody, who died from suicide in March 2020 and is pulling a life-size horse named Miles to That's, honor Brody's I'm sorry, that, none, of, none of what you just said is funny, but the life-size horse is, is a unique detail, but there's a very poignant reason why she's doing it. I'm sorry. It's just the thought of pulling a life. Like that's commitment. Yeah. That's commitment. Seriously. It's a long way to go. Uh, yeah. It's a long way to go. If you're just walking like nothing in your hands, you're also pulling a life-size horse name. I just love that named miles. Yeah. 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 And, and miles to go. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, I, I love this story. You know, listeners, you know, suicide has touched my family and so anyway, I don't mean to make light of this, but I just love the life-size horse named Miles. I just think that's a bit of levity. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, it was to honor Brady's passion for horse riding. And, and during her walk, William walked up in front of her and he quietly said, boo. And Emma, <laughs> you know, she kind of jumped back in shock. And then she and William hugged. And William later wrote on social media, what an incredible thing Emma is doing to raise awareness of youth suicide in memory of her daughter, Brody very special to be able to join her for part of her journey this morning. Hmm. And Emma added that William even offered to push miles while he was I'm there. Sorry. I, I knew, I knew that. I knew that part of the story was coming and like, that's so sweet. Right. But like, is. This, this is William. I, I don't know. To, uh, anyway, that's a beautiful well, it, story. It, and I William, love it because it's doing some good stuff. It shows the importance of supporting each other in, in difficult times. And also, I mean, what a better way to raise awareness than to pull a life-size horse behind you. To, <laughs> yeah, but don't, like, I don't want to laugh about that story because it's so deeply moving, but, you know, and, and, and the reason for the horse is moving too, but I, I digress. Anyway, I think both of those stories are super cool and uh, props to William for, going out to support. I, I wonder how, well, I mean, obviously it's William's team that finds out about, you know, people doing things like, um, like this walk, but just think it's really cool that, I mean, talk about a day maker, right? That's, really? I, I just, I really like that. Okay. So let's go to some, um, Buckingham palace reception news. So last Tuesday, so everything we just said, Kate opening the hospital, William, 
going out and selling magazines that happened on Tuesday. But then that night, Tuesday night, um, followed a big day for the Royals later that night on the fifth, there was a diplomatic reception at Buckingham palace where Kate wore a look that Jessica, I know you will recognize and that you loved talk about that in a second, but this was Kate and Camilla's second Tierra moment in two weeks. And Kate brought back the lovers, not Tierra, her old standby for the annual occasion of the diplomatic reception. So this is now the counted 12th time she has worn the Queen Mary lovers, not Tierra. And wow. speaking of rewears, Kate wore her entire look head to toe, including Tierra from the Jordanian Royal Wedding pink Jenny Packham gown right to the lovers not Tierra for the diplomatic reception so looking at a picture of her now her hair is styled slightly differently but and other than that she it's it's near it's pretty much an identical rewear so you liked it back in June you still like it I do you know this kind of does remind me though what we maybe I don't know if criticize is the right word, but criticize Camilla for rewearing things so soon and keeping it exactly identical. So I feel a little bad saying, you know, I, I like this look, even though it's identical, but you know, me and my pink sparkly dresses. <laughs> yes. Well, I never grow tired of them. <laughs> well, and this is a dress that you're not going to forget. Like you, you, like you will remember this dress and you will, you would have remembered, not you, Jessica, but like the Royal, you would remember it if, you know, it had been two or three years it's sure. been six months. And so, you know, it's just a pretty unforgettable dress, but she looks great in it just like she did in June. So again, you all know how I feel about the sparkly sequiny things, but Kate looks great. And, uh, I, I, I do kind of wish that, I mean, I know the lover's knot is great. It's her standby, but I did love when she wore that Strathmore rose Tierra. And I wish that she would shake it up more like that. But, um, speaking of, Tierra rewears. Camilla must have liked the girls of Great Britain and Ireland Tierra, which she wore for the first time, I think in October, if I'm not mistaken. She brought it back out for this diplomatic reception. And uh, the reception, by the way, is held obviously at Buckingham Palace, hence the name Buckingham Palace Diplomatic Reception. And it plays host to about a thousand guests. So, you know, there it is. And uh, I, I want, I need more Tierras. Like I need I, I love dipping into new new pieces. So that's my 2024 Tierra wish. Well, speaking of Camilla, she is in the Christmas spirit. So she hosted kids at the home she shares with Charles, which we know is Clarence House, and had them over to decorate for Christmas. And this, of course, is something that she does every year. So a quick review of that event. Last Wednesday, she welcomed children supported by the Helen and Douglas House and Raw Dolls Marvelous Children's Charity to help decorate her tree. Like I said, it's an annual tradition for Camilla. She is a patron of both charities and has been for years. So guests were also treated to a performance by the Band and Bugles of the Rifles, which the Queen has served as Colonel-in-Chief of since July 2020, after she took over the role from Prince Philip. And to top it all off, Santa Claus and his reindeer even visited <laughs> this fun little event. Camilla had the chance to pet a real reindeer that was decked out that's in pretty cells. Cool. Wasn't that cute? Yeah, that's pretty cool. So the Princess of Wales third annual Christmas Carol concert was held on Friday night of last week. And you all remember we we 
talked about that leading up to that event for quite a while now. It was on December 8th at Westminster Abbey. And this year's concert centers around Catherine's work with Shaping Us and Children, which we've also shared. And as a quick reminder, it will air on ITV on Christmas Eve. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that's kind of become as much of a Christmas tradition as the formerly Queen's, now King's speech. You got to catch that every year. And I love Mm -hmm. that. I don't think it was intended in 2021 to become an annual tradition, but I'm very glad that it has become that. Yeah, I love that it's worked out that way. And we saw some pictures from the event. So Kate was in this winter white color and her coat was by Chris Kerr. Her white top and pants were by Holland Cooper and her earrings were by Van Cleef and Arpels. And she was joined by William and surprise, surprise, all three of the Wales children. And little Louie made his carol concert debut just as we all hoped he would. And he had a very cheeky Louie moment when he blew out Charlotte's <laughs> candle. <laughs> oh my gosh, this child, I'm telling you. <laughs> so the kids took part in writing a Christmas letter to children who might be struggling this year, which they dropped in a festive red mailbox. So we all know Charles and Camilla couldn't be there because they had a prior commitment at their country home in Highgrove. But we did see Pippa Middleton, Matthews, along with Kate's parents, Michael and Carol Middleton. And then we also saw Beatrice, Edo, and Wolfie. We saw Eugenie. We saw Zara Tendall and Peter Phillips and Sophie who all turned out to support for the event. So that was really fun. I mean, I always love seeing this event every year. Oh, me too. I can't wait to watch it on Christmas Eve. And over the weekend, out come the Christmas cards. So the Wales family photo is in black and white this year. Everyone is in white shirts and dark pants, whether it's denim or the guys are in dark trousers. It was shot earlier this year at Windsor by Josh Schinner. And look at George in this photo with his hand in his pocket, looking so grown. Charlotte is the star of the show right out front. It is quite an informal photo juxtaposed, especially with King Charles and Queen Camilla's Christmas card photo. And that is a photo taken from the coronation by Hugo Bernand in the throne room at Buckingham Palace. So William and Kate's photos are as we all know, typically in color and typically taken outdoors. So this photo is a pretty stark departure. By the way, the photographer of the Wales Christmas card, Josh Shinner, says that George, Charlotte, and Louie taught him a few jokes during the shoot, but declined to elaborate on what the jokes were. So first of all, I want to get your initial thoughts on the Christmas card. And then I want to point out a couple of goofs in the Christmas card. So what do you think of the photo? Yeah, okay, well, I'll be honest this year's photo is not my favorite compared to some that we've gotten in recent years. I do think it was a choice though, to make this photo, the Christmas card photo. I'm not really sure what the choice was, but the black and white felt a little cold to me compared to what we normally get. You know, we usually get some warm, colorful shots. And the only thing I can imagine is, you know, maybe, and I'm totally just making this up, but Maybe they're aware of the fact that people right now, especially in the UK, could be struggling financially and and they really didn't want to put a Christmas card out there that portrayed them, you know, living it up on an extravagant vacation or dressed in super, you know, 
fancy, expensive clothes because maybe they didn't want to appear out of touch. Um, mm -hmm. But that's really the only explanation that I can think of, of this more like black and white look. I tend to prefer the more colorful photos that we've gotten in the past. Mm -hmm. I mean, that being said, it was a great photo. I'm just trying to figure out what the reason was behind the choice for this one. Um, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, okay. So I just have a couple things that I want to point out before I give you my thoughts. So if you look at George, the way the light hits his hair, it looks like he's wearing a small crown. Did you notice that? <laughs> I missed that. I'm going to, I'm going to look, you gotta look at it again. And we do, and we do not have the photo in our, um, in our notes, but it, it does. And it's, and it's funny. And also everyone on, well, not everyone, a small group of people on social media are asking where are Charlotte and Louis shoelaces which I'm not sure if the shoes were meant to not have shoelaces but okay well, I'm pretty sure those are just slip on I've seen them wear those shoes yeah. before I don't think yeah. they come up yeah but the number one thing that people are commenting on do you have that photo pulled up I want you to pull it up and I want you to zoom in on Louie and on his know, left, I've, I've on his seen left hand yeah. So, people are saying it looks like he's missing a finger. People are saying it looks like he's missing his middle finger on his left hand, which I wrote a story in Marie Claire about this. And I was like, look, world, you cannot take Louis spunk and zest for life. And you definitely cannot take his middle finger because he will use that likely someday <laughs> with, with a plume. So I, I don't, I don't think it's, I really not, I don't think it's a Photoshop fail. I just think it happens to be how Louis is holding his hand. On the chair, like it just, it just, it does. It looks like he is missing a finger. So, um, this, you know, this, I think this photo is pretty polarizing. There's a lot of people that don't like it. I don't dislike it. I think it. I mean, change is good. You know, a, a different card now and then is fine. I think everyone looks beautiful. I love that Charlotte is the star of the show. Kate looks beautiful as ever. George looks so grown up, and Louis adorable. But you know that this is what they wanted. So this is what they got. And and I love that they're using different photographers, Millie Pilkington, now Josh Shinner, Matt Porteous. So I just like the different aesthetics, but I don't think that this is going to ultimately go down as everyone's favorite Christmas card. Yeah. I mean, again, it, it's a great photo, but I, I like some of the ones with a little bit of color and maybe a little bit more of a I don't know. They had some with, you know, sweaters on in the past and those tend to be more my favorite for the Christmas cards. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, I did want to mention one other thing um, here in the Royal Rundown. So we got the best video of the Princess of Wales, along with Prince George, Princess Charlotte, and Prince Louis volunteering with a baby bank, and they were helping give presents to children in, in need. And I think the Kensington Palace Instagram shared like a very, very brief clip. Like you, it wasn't even enough to even know what was going on, but I think it was sky news shared like a minute long video of this. And I saw it and shared it in our stories. So our listeners wouldn't miss it. And we actually got to see a lot more of Catherine and the kids helping out. And it was really, really fun to see. So I hope everyone watched that video. And I know you saw it too, Rachel. Yeah, I did. It's, the video I saw was a just under two minutes and it was adorable. I mean, just seeing 
think first of all these children are tall children which of course they come about honestly but just seeing them in action they're adorable and by the way the baby bank was in berkshire say that five times fast the baby bank was in berkshire <laughs> and in the video the kids look through bags of donations and select toys for other kids to enjoy so louis at one point god love this child picks up a king kong style gorilla and he adorably says this is a this is a big guy <laughs> <laughs> and um charlotte picks up a onesie decorated with the welsh flag she correctly identifies that it is in fact welsh at the end of the outing kate puts her armor on george's shoulder and says you can see how rewarding this kind of work is knowing you are helping out others so all in all it's just a really feel-good video and this is a late ad, but after the publication of Archwell's annual impact report on Monday, it was revealed that Megan launched a new initiative this year that I want to briefly mention that was inspired by the hub community kitchen she supported when she was a working royal. So the initiative is called the Welcome Project, which supports women-led programming for recently resettled Afghan women to help build more inclusive and connected communities. So there are currently 11 active Welcome Projects across the U.S., Designed to foster a sense of belonging through activities like sewing, hiking, cooking, photography, art, so many others. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I had not heard about that, actually. Yeah, that was just late breaking when we went on the air to record. And um, finally, for the Royal Rundown, my God, what a Royal Rundown. <laughs> but uh, surprising no one, the hardest working Royal of 2023 has been named. And Jessica, I'm just going to let you take a stab at who it is, because I know you're going to be right. Well, I think we all know, and I actually, I, I did see the story. So my mm -hmm. guests will be very informed, but um, it, it's no surprise. It's the lovely Princess Anne. Correct. As ever, <laughs> Princess Anne, the Princess Royal, Okay, this is unbelievable. Like the work ethic of Anne is remarkable. She had an amazing 457 royal engagements this year. Obviously, that amounts to more than one a day. And by the way, as we record this on December 12th, today is her 31st wedding anniversary to Sir Timothy Lawrence. So happy anniversary to Anne and Timothy. Um, King Charles, as he usually does, came in second place with 425 engagements. Prince Edward came in third with 297. Queen Camilla in fourth with 233. And Sophie, Duchess of Edinburgh, rounded out the top five with 219. So Prince William and Prince Richard, the Duke of Gloucester, tied for sixth place with 172 engagements apiece. And the Princess of Wales has 128. Richard's wife, Brigitte, the Duchess of Gloucester, had 69. So if you do the math on Anne, that means Anne is averaging about 12 to 14 engagements a week. And assuming that she takes a weekend, that is usually at least at least two a day. That, that's incredible. Well, I think you have to assume she takes a weekend, holidays, the occasional vacation. Yeah. So she's really packing them in on, on a regular working day. Yeah. So let that be inspiration to us all that, you know, work harder for causes that you care about. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on a whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details.
All right, Rachel, that was quite the royal. My, my, my. <laughs> Are you ready to go into royals around the world? Yes. And actually we have quite a bit in royals around the world too. We do, but this is our last segment of this episode because we have talked for quite a while today. So let's go ahead and jump in. And like you said, it was a big week for royals around the world. So we're going to start with Queen Maxima of the Netherlands. And she had an exhibition in Paris with Bridget Macron, and she was wearing the most stunning dress. I mean, this dress was a work of art. It truly was. So Maxima traveled to Paris for the opening of the Iris Van Herpen Sculpting the Senses exhibition at the Musée des Arts Decoratifs. And she wore a gown by the designer who is actually Dutch. So the dress is complete with a cape. We've got another cape dress. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the two women's husbands, Willem Alexander and French President Emmanuel Macron, were not with them for this apparent ladies' night out. But it was really fun to see the photos. And I mean, I just can't get over how gorgeous the dress was. This might be one of the most beautiful gowns I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it is it is intricate, it is exquisite, it is stunning. Maxima pulls it off. And if you look at it, like the picture we have in our notes is from far away, but if you get close up on the dress the detailing is just exquisite is the only word that comes to mind and yeah and the fit was perfect and one thing I didn't see was if this dress let's say were to go on sale I didn't see how much it would go for I, I looked for that I, didn't so I, don't know if I overlooked it or if that just wasn't shared but listeners if you saw anything like that let us know and that's a gorgeous color as well that we don't always see So probably the biggest royals around the world news since we left off was Sweden's Crown Princess Victoria and her husband Daniel's three-day visit to the UK. So we already started to touch on the visit earlier in the show, but the Royal Variety performance certainly wasn't the only thing that Victoria and Daniel took part in while in the UK. So the visit started in a very British fashion by having a pint of beer at a pub. They visited the Three Blackbirds pub in Newmarket and even stepped behind the bar where Victoria poured herself a beer and then as one does drank it. So before the Royal Variety performance, William and Kate hosted Victoria and Daniel at Windsor Castle. And after the visit, Victoria opened up about her interactions with William and Kate saying, it's always fun. We share a lot and it feels very natural and easy to meet. They are nice people who do a lot for their country. We exchange thoughts and ideas and share many interests. So William and Kate are professionals. Keep in mind that as Victoria and Daniel are in the UK, everything's happening with Endgame. And I know that William and Kate handled it well. I doubt that Endgame affected the visit, but it really did come at a pretty awful time in terms of Endgame. I also want to take a quick moment to look at Victoria's look for the Royal Variety performance. She's in a black kind of, it's not, it's like almost off the shoulder. It's like just slightly on the shoulder gown. What do you think about this? Yeah. I mean, I like it. I, I, I thought it was great. I actually, I think I saw who the designer was and I forgot to put it in our notes, but it is an off the shoulder black dress. It's a little bit hard in some of the pictures at nighttime with a black dress to see a lot of the detail, but mm-hmm. um, it, it was, it was a great look. I thought it was perfect for the event. And she's got an updo going on. Does. And it's very um, like, it's very slicked back. It's, you know, like a tight, mm-hmm 
bun, which mm-hmm. I think also is fitting with the outfit. I think it looks good. Yeah, I agree. And we've got some really sad news out of Liechtenstein, which is actually a royal family that we rarely talk about on the show, but I believe we talked about the royal family of Liechtenstein just last episode. So Prince Constantine of Liechtenstein, who was seventh in line to the throne and only 51 years old, died unexpectedly since we released our last episode at the palace announced that a week ago last last Wednesday. So he is a father of three and the manner of death was not disclosed. His death is being described as a terrible shock. So our heart, of course, breaks for this family and um, just sending sending love, especially, you know, especially at this time of year, that's incredibly difficult. So, well, Well, you know, my mom listens to the podcast and I was actually, when this news broke, I was getting ready to go out of town last week. And so I was super Mm -hmm. busy, but she actually sent me the article because she, you know, recognized the country because we've talked about it on the podcast before. And so, Mm -hmm. um, I I saw that right as it came through and it was, it was such a a sad story. Yeah. And again, no manner or cause of death revealed yet. Maybe it never will be. I don't know, but it was a sudden death. And if we learn more, we'll tell you listeners, but um, just really sad. And we're going to do a couple of quick hits as we close today's jam-packed Royals around the world and Royal rundown the whole episode, honestly. So the Monaco Palace shared a new portrait of Prince Jacques and Princess Gabriella to mark the twins' ninth birthday. They are, of course, the son and daughter of Prince Albert, who is on the throne, and his wife, Princess Charlene, who we talk about pretty frequently. The photo that they shared was taken at Monaco's National Day, and I can't believe those twins are nine years old. I don't know where the time goes. Um, Also, speaking of birthdays, actually kind of everything is about births or birthdays in this little quick hit segment, but there was a 20th birthday portrait of another heir to the throne, Catherine Amalia of the Netherlands released. I don't know if you saw that. I did. Yeah, that was a great photo. Yeah. And uh, so I just love these portraits that are coming out of the up and coming royals, the up and coming heirs. And and we don't talk about this royal family very much on the show, but the king and queen of Bhutan announced the name of their daughter three months after her birth. So she was born on September 9th. It was only over the weekend that the king and queen announced the name of their daughter after they had a special Buddhist naming ceremony on Saturday. So her royal highness, the Gilsum, has been named Sonam Yangdin Wangchuk, they announced, sharing a photo of the sleeping newborn in a floral blanket. So Sonam is is a Bhutanese name denoting merit, longevity, and good fortune. And the name Yangdin, which means precious jewel, signifies prosperity and well-being. So she is the king and queen's third child, and she has two older brothers. So congratulations to them. Okay. Wow. That was a heck of a Royal rundown in Royals around the world. I think we covered everything in the last. Yeah. One thing I'll mention is we also had Prince Spare Magnus. Uh, He had his 18th birthday and they did a cute little interview. We'll chat about that next week. I'll, I'll give a quick update, but I did want to mention it. I think, I think I shared that online as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, we're, we're so over time for today. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we'll pick so back up next we week. Won't, we will try not to take, well, I say that we deserve a week off every now and then, but we will try not to take off too many more weeks because apparently everything happens when we well, take a week off. I will say we will be off the week of Christmas. So yes, I'm sure of course. People yeah. will be. And yeah. I'm sure that the Royals will be as well. So hopefully it will be a quiet week for us all and relaxing and 
recharging. But as we close, we always want you to come hang out with us on Instagram at Podcast Royal. If you have questions or thoughts, you can always DM us there. We're pretty quick to respond. Send us an email at hellopodcastroyal at gmail.com unless you are looking to reserve a room in a hotel. We are not offering that service. I we get I don't know if you've been checking the email account, Jessica, but we're getting like 10 emails a day asking if if people can reserve a room in a hotel. And and I'm not responding to those emails because I think it's spam, but um, we don't, we don't run a hotel. So if you, you can email us about anything you want, but if you email us about a hotel, I don't know what to tell you. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to episode 117 of Podcast Royal. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Bye.